you've selected a show from the Podcast Jukebox, a DIY podcast network. However many rotations the Earth does in a day, which is, you know, 24 hours in a day, 365 days a year, these are the things that construct time for us. You know, if you were to send someone out into space, we know that that person, because they're not dealing with gravity, they're not dealing with rotation, they're not dealing with the cycles of the sun, that they're going to age slower than we do here. That's just a fact, you know. So what does that mean for something that is not here? It's spiritual, it's a ghost, it's, you know, whatever it is. What is its measurement of time, if any? Hello and welcome to Drinks With God, a podcast about alternative theological experiences, death, and life. All of the following content is based on each interviewee's own personal experiences and is meant to be educational, not confrontational. Welcome to another episode of Drinks With God. Today I've got a really fantastic set of guests today. I've got Dimitri and Michael from Long Island Paranormal who are here to talk with us about a couple different things, about dealing with the afterlife a little bit more hands-on. But first off, why don't you two let everybody know like a bit about who you guys are and how you got involved in this line of uh, work, hobby. I don't know how you would uh, specifically want to classify this sort of thing. Sure. Yeah, um, I mean, ever since I was a kid, I always been fascinated into the paranormal, ghosts, UFOs, stuff like that. And uh, growing up, uh, when I was in like elementary school and junior high, I had like reading comprehension problems. And the one thing that I could read and understand was stories about ghosts, UFOs, Bigfoot. So the interest was always there. And growing up, after my grandfather had passed away when I was eight years old. Uh, a lot of different occurrences happened throughout my family. And everyone had like their own little thing happen. With me, that I used to have like a little like video game thing, like kind of like a Game Boy. And me and my mom were talking. Uh, Tiger Electronics. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and um, <laughs> shortly after, you know, me and my mom were talking, um, the, the the device just turned on by itself, and there was no batteries in it. Um, that was one of the occurrences that we had. My, I remember my aunt was telling us that late at night she would hear her knocker going off. She would open the door and no one would be there. A couple minutes later, it would happen again. And, and this was a, a pretty common thing like a month after it happened. Um, my little cousin at the time, he had, uh, he had these little bears that were like sewn into like a cloth thing hanging on the wall. And one morning, they found them on the floor. So it was like really weird things like that. It kind of just sparked the interest a little bit more. And uh, in 2003, we were all hanging out, playing hockey, and talking about the different urban legends of Long Island. And I dared a couple of my friends to go into Kings Park Psych Center. So they were like, yeah, yeah, we'll go. And I'm like, all right, let's set it up. You know. So we grabbed the video camera, flashlights, walkie-talkies, and Sure enough, they went in, and uh, they were in there for probably about an hour and 45 minutes. And while they were in there, towards the end, they heard a loud banging sound from, like, the same room that they were in. Freaked them out. They came running out. And uh, a week went by, and me and the uh, old uh, co-founder, Levine, Rob Levine, we 
started to look up different urban legends of Long Island and the different types of scientific equipment that you can use in the field. So we bought some stuff and we started small and pretty much skyrocketed from there. Through the years, we studied a lot of the equipment, we got new members, built a website. At the time, we had a MySpace page, which then turned into Facebook, and um, we got our first house investigation, and it's just been taken off since. Um, I love doing what I do. We do not get paid. This is not our actual job. We all have full-time jobs, and we have a saying here. It, it's not a job. You don't get paid. It's not a hobby. You have to be here. It's a lifestyle. It's just a part of our life. Uh, we love doing what we do, and that's you know pretty much it. Yeah, I'm sure you have yeah. your section. Yeah, I mean, about. some of it's very similar to yours. Right, in that, right. Um, I was a kid growing up, and we lived in his house in Ronkonkoma, Lake Ronkonkoma. And uh, it was just an older house. And one night when me and my brother were sleeping, he woke me up, and there was this person standing in the door that looked like an old aviator pilot from, like, the 20s or 30s. And... He walked like past our room into the bathroom and we got up and we ran over to try and see if we could see him and he was gone. There was nobody there. So we kind of researched the house a little bit and found out that the house was built by an actress in the 1940s and that her uh, husband or boyfriend, I can't remember which one it is now, but uh, was a pilot that crashed and died and lived at that house. So it was around the, our experience happened around the same time of his passing. So it kind of like correlated with what was going on at the house. Um, it happened a few times when we were kids, uh, which was always super interesting to me. And then being a kid, I was always, always a big fan of, you know, Ghostbusters and things like that. So that was, that was a huge influence in my life. Um, my folks were always super supportive of it, still are to this day, and all the paranormal stuff that I do. Um, and then uh, in 2003, my grandfather passed away, my papu, and it had the same effect where within the past month, everybody in our family started having experiences. Uh, for myself, I used to do these religious shows and I played the apostle John. And during the show, it felt like my, my grandfather used to grab me in the back of the neck and rub my neck. And I got that feeling. I could feel like his pinky ring that he used to always wear. And I felt it like rubbing up against me. I actually broke down. I started crying. I totally lost all composure at that point. And um, my dad had a TV. Then my grandfather used to always love his TVs and stuff. And one day my dad's sitting there and the TV just shuts itself off. And it sparks with colors all over the entire monitor. It was like really wild. Uh, my uncle and my aunt were not talking to each other at the time for whatever reason. And my uncle was in Germany. My aunt was here in the States. Back then, you had to have international calling. Neither one, actually today, you still need international calling. Neither one of them had international calling. Both their phones rang at the same time, and they were connected to each other. Um, so that's super interesting. Uh, flash forward a couple years, I moved to uh, Boston, Massachusetts with my wife. And I uh, took a class on paranormal investigating. And I met this great guy, Mike Dion. And he was one of the main guys who ran New England Paranormal at the time. And uh, me and him hit it off. I joined their team. I worked with them for a while. Uh, and that team was originally set up by uh, Steve Gonzalez from the show Taps. 
uh, he actually created that that team and used to work with the TAPS people all the time and share cases and things like that. And then uh, fast forward a couple more years, I moved back to Long Island, uh, looked to go back into the paranormal. I find them and uh, join, and I've been doing it ever since. We've had a lot of great experiences together. I've been I've been with this crew 10 years now, or coming up next month, 10 years. So uh, I love it. I love doing this. This is a huge passion of mine. Uh, so yeah, absolutely. And that's my story in a quick little nutshell, but it's funny to note that, uh, I'm Greek Orthodox and in my religion, they say that when somebody passes away, they have about 40 days to say goodbye before they cross over into the, into heaven. Yeah. And, uh, it's interesting that whenever people tell these stories, they always say it's within the first month that yeah. all this stuff happens. Yeah. It's just, it's always, I always find it super interesting. Yeah, actually, it's funny because I'm trying to remember if it's 40 days or if it's four months because there's a couple different religions that have a specific time period. And I know that with Tibetan Buddhism, which is one of the ones that I've studied, they also have a set period of time. Right. There's All Souls Day uh, and All Saints Day in, in Greek and Catholic religion. Right. All Souls Day is uh, another time of the year whenever souls are allowed to come back and visit family members. Right. Yeah. And... Just the one question that I feel like you've constantly been asked, I just want to get it out of the way before we actually have our discussion. How many times have you actually come across any activity where you can't explain it? We've had uh, some really good stuff over the years, to be honest with you. We've had, we've had a, our, our fair share. Um, you know, it's, it's not as much as TV makes it out to be. Right? Yeah. And it's not like the movies, like Hollywood turns around and shows it. it. It's not like that at all. Our biggest form of evidence, hands down, is audio. Um, you know, when you are out there and you have an audio recorder and say if it's me and him in a group and we get a female voice and there's no female on our, on our team that night within that group, how do you explain that? You know, yeah. what's also interesting to that is what happens is when we're in a group together, me and him are both wearing audios. Right. And what adds to the credibility of the EVP is his recorder will pick it up, but mine doesn't. Right. Or vice versa. Or vice versa, which means it's using that specific recorder's energy to imprint its voice on it. So those are those are super interesting. Right. Um, visually, visually see things. Um, I mean, I've seen a lot of things I can't explain. There was one particular one, probably about a year ago. We were at a place oh, you called. you Brandon? Yeah, it was at a place called uh, Frank Melville Park. Yeah. It's a talking, and uh, it's a lot has to do with like the Revolutionary War, cult perspiring, and it was me, uh, Dimitri, and another investigator of ours, Brandon. And we were investigating in there, and we all kind of did like a double take, and we saw what looked like. It looked like a person that was like almost like a, it, it was a solid figure, but almost like gray. Yeah. Walk across the path, through the bushes, into the water. We literally just stopped and just stared yeah, at I remember. I, it was so funny because I was, I saw it come out first and I started snapping at everyone <laughs> to get their attention because I didn't want to speak loudly in case right. it was an actual person. Like to give yourself that minute to adjust. Yeah. And this thing just walks straight through, walks through <laughs> bushes, nothing moves into the water, disappears. Right. I've never seen anything like that. And what, what I appreciated the most about it was that it was a shared experience. A right. lot of time, people's personal experiences are just that personal. They have them by themselves. Um, but whenever it's more than one person witnessing the same thing, 
it's super, it's, it adds to it for me. Right. Yeah. Because there's so much where after the fact you're like, well, maybe I, it was just a trick of the light. Start, but you can start, then, yeah, you can start overanalyzing right. or, or deconstructing, if you will, yeah. your own personal experiences. Yeah. So, I mean, we've, we've, like I said, like the group's been around for 15 years, so we do have our fair share of experiences. Probably not as much as, you know, people would like. You know, that's one of the things that a lot of people ask us is how come you don't have a ton of evidence? And I'm like, because we throw a lot of it out because it's crap. I'm not going to put something out there that's that's not good, you know. We we treat when we do analysis in the office and bring something up, evidence wise in our meetings, we treat it almost like a court case. If you brought this in a court, can you convince a jury that this is what it really is, yes or no? You know, and hands down, that's kind of how we deal with that. So we we don't have a ton of evidence, but the evidence that we do have is is pretty good stuff. I think. Yeah, I do too. Now, um, the big thing that I'm really curious uh, about working with the afterlife and working with the unexplained, um, how has that affected your own personal views of death? I mean, I know that you both had said that you'd come from into this already very interested in the supernatural, but in terms of your own mortality and like dealing with you know stuff beyond the veil has that changed over time or do you have your own personal philosophies now that are maybe different from your upbringing? Yeah. Um, I mean, when I was like, you know, a teenager, I always thought, you know, I, I'm brought up Catholic. You know, I made my confirmation communion a whole nine. And, um, I always wondered, you know, what happens after you die? Is there something or is it like, you know, we just die and that's it, you know? And, and, and through the paranormal studying a lot of stuff, science, you know, I've done a lot of science courses in college and finding out that, you know, energy can't be created nor destroyed. So it has to transfer somewhere. It's just a matter of where it goes. And just from the evidence that we've caught through the years, I feel like there's no question in my mind that I don't know exactly what happens when we pass away, but there is something else. Um, I used to be so afraid of death of the unknown of what if this is it? What if once we die, that that's it. It's, there's nothing left, but just from all the experiences that we've come across, the evidence that we've captured, some of the people in our group are psychic and the stuff that they come out with and they know it, it's, I have no doubt in my mind. I, I think there's something definitely out there. I'm definitely more religious now than what I used to be. I mean, I don't go to church every week. I don't feel that somebody has to, to be religious, but I definitely think there's a higher power at work here. Something like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I agree. Uh, for myself, uh, I was raised Greek Orthodox, still very Greek Orthodox. That has not changed. Um, I have, I believe that there is Heaven, hell, because you can't have one without the other. That's just the way things work. You can't have, you know, sanity without chaos and that whole nine. Uh, it's the balance of, of the universe, I guess. Um, how that works, I don't know. Um, I don't have a fear of dying. I, I know that there's something else out there. It's my own personal belief. And, you know, faith is a big thing. It drives drives a lot of people in our, in our world, whether it's positive or negative, but faith <laughs> drives people. Um, I, I, I just, I feel like for myself, 
I don't know. It's do you go straight to heaven? Is there purgatory? Is there no purgatory? What exists? What doesn't exist? Is a question. Um, also, time for for spirits. It's not. They don't. Whatever is happening with them, it's not happening at the same time. It's happening with us. So it's not. You know, second by second, time by time, for what we consider to be, you know, in a hundred years, maybe uh, five seconds of them haunting around, you know, so. Very cool. Uh, that's an interesting theory. And um, have you come across anything specific that you, that has led you to believe that with the passage of time thing? Uh, no, I just, I, I think that uh, our Time is different based on where you are in the universe, what sun you're circling around, however your motion around the planets, you know, however your, the, however many rotations the Earth does in a day, which is, you know, 24 hours in a day, 365 days a year. These are the things that construct time for us. You know, if you were to send someone out into space, we know that that person, because they're not dealing with gravity, they're not dealing with rotation, they're not dealing with the cycles of the sun, that they're going to age slower than we do here. That's just a fact, you know. So what does that mean for something that is not here? It's spiritual, it's a ghost, it's, you know, whatever it is. What is its measurement of time, if any? It's... We don't under, we know understand so little of our universe, despite how much knowledge we do have, that there's so much room for uh, theories and stuff like that to posit and, and see what kind of results you get. Have I don't know what experience, if any, you guys would have with um, talking to people, or maybe with you personally, or anybody in your group, with near death experiences. But I know that there have been people that have had those had some sort of either floating sensation or uh, bright light or heard voices or even had a sense of dread. Do you have any um, theories on that or have you like had any experience working with somebody? Actually, yeah, I mean, years ago, oh shit, probably back in 2008, one of our investigators, um, she had really bad asthma and I guess she had an asthma attack and her throat closed up. And she went out, and I remember her um, her boyfriend called us up and said, you know, she's in the hospital right now. We don't know if she's going to make it. We were all taken back. I, don't, I, I think you were on the team. Yeah, was. And we were like, holy crap. And then a couple days later, she came out of it, and I remember talking to her about it. And she said all she remembers is it being very bright. Everything was bright. And that's, she kept falling like in and out of it. Um, but that's really it. I remember talking to my grandmother. Um, she, she almost passed away. She's still alive today. Thank God. But I remember she had a, an experience where there was a white light with a tunnel and she saw my grandfather that passed away waiting there. Um, but I mean, these are so, it's so common. That's one of the most common things I feel like people yeah, say is the tunnel of light and a loved, loved one ones that there. passed away are waiting there. Um, I don't know if that's just the way the brain kind of deals with that. It's it's such a – I don't know why that science part of it isn't studied more than but what it is. There are some theories about how um, just with the same sort of chemicals that are in the human brain that um, – 
that are the same as like you'd get for um, MDT. Okay. Um, that there's just a, a similar shared experience that the brain releases at the time of death. Uh, although it does seem to have some level of variance for a couple people, but people right. like the jury's still out on whether that is a spiritual experience or a psychological experience. Right. Uh, right. But if it's a psychological experience, then it's been created because society has told us for so long that that's what you're going to experience. It's like the Phillips experiment. Like if you're told something's right. going to happen in a certain thing, you're going to have that experience happen. Yeah. Because you, yeah, that's how your brain's going to process it. Because society's been telling you for so long, this is how it's supposed to be. You know, in movies and TV, you know, everything. Even going back to stories of death, you know, you you go back to the ancient days when they talk about going through the tunnels to get to Hades or anything like that. You know. Yeah, a lot of them also like involve just like passage through a river, right? Right. Like some underground sort of you know caves. Um, which is, you know, similar, similar imagery. Yeah. Um, I think the only other uh, question I really had for you guys was if there were any, uh, like, in, any interesting, uh, any interesting cases you guys had been on, um, anything that you would, and also anything that you'd want to share for people who were interested in this sort of thing, who'd want to maybe get into doing this themselves. Yeah, definitely. Um, I would say one of the, one of the most one of my favorite cases, um, and a lot of people have to say is just like, well, "How would that be your favorite case?" You know, and I, I'm in this field. I'm not here to prove that an afterlife exists. I'm not here to prove religion. I'm here to help and have help cope those that don't understand the paranormal. So we had a case. You know, a client contacts us go through the whole case management process. And it was a mother, father, and their son. And their son was having a tough time sleeping in their bed- his bedroom. He would have nightmares every night, run to the parents' bedroom, scream and crying, you know. And they, they were very fearful of what was in that room. So they contacted us. We went in and did the investigation. And I remember sitting in the living room. And one of my investigators calls me over the walkie-talkie. Says, "Hey, you gotta, you gotta come up here and check this out." So I'm thinking, "Oh boy, all right, what's going on?" You know. So I go up there. I had, I had a digital EMF meter with me. Go up there, and they have a compass, and they hold it over the bed, and the needle starts to just spin around. And that's, you know, that usually has something to do with high electromagnetic fields. So I took the digital EMF meter, which is electromagnetic field detector. I scan the bed and it spikes off the charts. So I'm looking and I saw that there was drawers underneath the bed. So I pull it out and I noticed there's a toy in there of a Star Wars lightsaber. So I take the EMF meter and I hit that and the thing goes off the charts. So we finish our investigation and I tell the homeowner what I found. I'm like, you know, this is what I've noticed with EMF. Remove that from underneath the child's bed. See what happens over the next week or two. We're going to go over all the analysis, and we'll come back and do a reveal, and we'll talk. Did the analysis, did the review, did everything, caught nothing. Go back, do the reveal, and sure enough, they said the child has been staying in his bed ever since we left, ever since they removed that thing. So it's that kind of feeling where you were able to help out this family that really had nowhere else to turn. They had no idea. So one of my biggest things of advice is, don't necessarily jump to the conclusion that 
your house is haunted or you're having a paranormal experience. Try to figure out scientifically what is going on. Because about 80% of our cases we're able to debunk. Does leave that 20% that's wide open and we've had our fair share of experience oh, yeah. that we can't explain in, in people's houses, on urban legends, all over, you know. But that's my thing that I try to tell everyone is just try to go in and look. Like if you hear banging in your house, don't automatically assume it's a ghost or a, de a demonic banging on the walls. You know, it's probably loose pipes that are banging around the head of Aaron. You know, like yeah. try to look at it scientifically. That That's kind of... Yeah. Yeah, that's our, that's our, definitely our biggest yeah, thing. So, uh, if you're asking me about cases, <laughs> Mount Misery Road. <laughs> yeah, we're going urban, urban myths uh, and legends. Yeah. It's absolutely Mount Misery Road. Uh, I had my second investigation there uh, when I joined the group, and when we were there, I asked uh, if anything was there, if it could take my hand, and sure enough, within a few seconds, I start feeling cold, tingling on my arm. And uh, I asked uh, Mike, and we had Rob was there, and another investigator was there. Uh, I was like, I feel really cold. And one investigator had a surface temperature thermometer, so it detects the surface of your arm. And the spot where I was saying it was cold, it was about 15 degrees cooler than the rest of my arm. Uh, and then at that moment, I, I said I felt weird, and Rob took a photo, and he actually captured a ball of light shooting out of my arm that none of us saw at the time. It was only captured on that photo, uh, which is probably one of the only true orbs I believe I've, <laughs> we've ever captured. Because awesome. um, I'm not, I'm not a huge. Uh, I believe in orbs, but I think they're extremely rare in the paranormal sense. Right. Um, uh, so then, you know, years later, we go, we have another experience. Me, Mike, and somebody else is in the team, and uh, we felt like somebody threw a ball at us, and we hit the dirt. <laughs> And uh, in between that, the year before I even joined, they were there at Mount Misery Road. And they had voices oh. coming through their walkies. And it was saying, they're here. And there was no clicking. There was no walkie communication because our, our walkies make beeps. It was just like an increased static sound. They're here. And then it drops out. And then they're asking questions to nobody. They're not pressing the buttons to ask questions. They're like, oh, what's your name? And then... All of a sudden, through the walk here, my name is, and then it cuts out. Uh, and then that lasts, what, like a minute and a half? Yeah, almost two minutes. At one point, it said, um, please, let, please me out. let me out. Help burning. me, I'm burning. And we yeah. caught all this on audio. We have it all on audio. We have it on video. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. It lasts so, like a minute and 45 minutes, and that was it. So after after that night where we had the, the ball of light thrown at us, basically, we yeah, thought someone threw a dodgeball at us or a beach ball or something. Uh, I came home, and like Mike was saying, this is a lifestyle in that uh, it's it's like a job too. But uh, <laughs> there's a lot of work. Everything that we do is written down. We have a lot of paperwork. We have field reports. We have case files for each location that we investigate, each client's house that we do. Everything we type up the reports. We write what's similar, what's not similar about them, the whole nine. So. I come back. I just felt really strange about the investigation. So I call Mike the next day. I'm like, pull the case file from Mount Misery Road because I feel like this is all happening at the same time. Sure enough, all the field reports, all the investigations where we had activity, or at least 90% of them, 95% of them, um, happened within a two-week span okay. at that location. 
Anywhere, any other time of the year we went, we never caught anything. It only happened in this two-week span. And now this is this is ten plus years of analysis that's backed up that says in this two-week span we're going to catch something. It's not an if. It's not a maybe. It's happening. Um, and so we planned an overnight there. We went there. We had this overnight within what ten minutes of being there. And now I call it the Goldilocks zone um, that night because it was. In our two-week span, it happened to be the uh, equinox, the fall equinox, and it happened to be a full moon. So we had all these things (laughs) going on at the same time. Um, Probably the craziest night of investigating I've ever been a part of. In that, the experiences started, and probably, they went straight for about, what, three hours? Before we finally called the investigation and left? So three straight hours of constant paranormal activity. Um... Within 10 minutes of being there, you could hear a woman screaming down the pathway. And as it was approaching us, got louder, louder, and louder. Felt like it was on top of you and then just dropped away and faded away slowly, still screaming. Uh, tons of shadow people, lots of EVPs. I got a voice while we're listening to the woman screaming. You hear a voice of like children, like raspy children saying, what is this? What is it? On my audio. like It sounds like just scratching my equipment. It's like on top of me. That yes, Ugh. I don't. I don't like ghost kids. This is my. That's, that's yeah. my thing. Uh, I got three sons. I don't. I don't do ghost kids. It freaks me out. It feels so horrible for them. Um, so anyway, we go in. We're doing the investigation, and then we start hearing growling. But it was separate. It was singling us out. I was hearing it loud and clear. Then it would. Mike would hear it. Then Shannon would hear it. Then somebody else in our group would hear it, and so on and so forth. And it would single us out. Then it went from sounds to smells. It was like this metallic-y, like, basically, like, you know, blood taste like Is that yeah. iron blood Yeah, like taste? copper, yeah. Right, right, right. So I'm tasting it. Then you're tasting it. Then somebody else is tasting it. It was super weird. Then finally we started smell, right? feeling, yeah, smell. the smell. We started each again independently smelling rotten egg smell. Uh, now, these are all kind of classic signs of demonic hauntings. We started feeling super uncomfortable. We felt like it was time to leave. So we're walking out, and as we're leaving, um, Shannon, who's the, uh, the head of our psychic department, turns around with me, and we see something skitter across the ground. And she's like, you see that, right? I'm like, yeah. I was like, but I don't, I can't, like... It's hard to explain. You could see it move, but you couldn't describe what it looked like. So I tell Shannon, stay here. I'm going to move forward. I go up to it, and I'm, like, staring at it now. And it was, for her being psychic, she saw it like that. For me, it was like my brain needed to focus on what I was looking at. So as I'm staring at it, it's like everything's starting to come into focus. And then I see these, like, sunken in deep red eyes. And at that point, I was like, oh, we're leaving. It's it's definitely time to go. Like, this is not something I want to play with. And the rule in our group is when you have an experience like that, you shut your mouth. We don't talk about what you're seeing. We don't discuss it with other investigators to, um, uh, to uh, what's the word? manipulate their view on what they're seeing. So we don't, me and Shannon say nothing to each other. Just that we saw something move across the ground. It's all we knew. Um, I said, okay, it's time to go. Me and Mike stayed back. We let the other team move ahead of us by like 20, 30 feet. They had a head start. We were back end trying to protect. As we're walking like next to each other, we're pretty much this close. 
you hear something run up behind us, hit our legs. We almost fall to the ground like a dog ran past us. Um, so took our knees out. We went out of there, calmly walked out because we don't run. We don't believe in running, especially since we're the heads of the group. We freak out. The whole crew's going to fall apart. <laughs> so we walk out. We do the prayer of St. Michael. We put the card down and leave it there because we have prayer cards that we leave uh, at locations sometimes. We, we drop the card. We turn around. We walk away. And audibly, you can hear a woman laugh at us for, for doing it and saying our prayer. And we're like, okay, thank you. And so we get in a car. We pull out. And Shannon freaks out. He's like, watch out for the kids. Mind you. I'm driving under Sweet Hollow, br- the bridge to Sweet Hollow Road, uh, where people say you see the kids. Yeah. And I was like, there are no kids. <laughs> Freaked me out. <laughs> we come back to the office, which you can't see from where you are, but you, there's probably a good 15, 20 feet from one end of the table to the other. Um, because we have 15 people here, so we have like, like big, long, six-foot tables going stretching all the way across the room. Uh, so I have three of them, so it's almost 18 feet. So she's sitting on one end, I'm sitting on the other, and we're drawing what we saw. Turns out we drew something that matched, like, almost completely, like, 85, 90%, we drew the same thing, without discussing it with each other. Uh, she got, she came up with a name. She then turned to Mike, she gave Mike the name. We went into, or Mike went into the, our demonology book, checked the name out, found out that the name she came up with was actually a known demon in the, in the list of demonology. Um, went online to see what it looked like, and its image matched what we drew. But in human form, as opposed to this uh, alligator pig thing we saw skitter across the ground. That, was, that, to me, was insane. That, to me, was insane. We go back every year. We continually make things worse. <laughs> and... Um, because I can't help myself. And it's like every year we're like, one of these days. And then we went back that Thursday. After all that happened, the following Thursday night, we're like, all right, guys, let's go back in. <laughs> same thing started happening to different people now. They were having the same experiences we were having. Right. Then Mike saw these five figures, was it? Four. Four? One in the, one in the front, three in the back. One in the front, three in the back, all like cloak, looking at us, like basically saying, try something. Like, keep pushing your luck. Yeah. And then Mike called the investigation and we yeah. came out. It was crazy. I saw like a little boy standing next to me. That was really creepy. Um, like old, like new, basically 20s, like newsy looking kids. And that was probably, yeah, that was probably yeah, it. That was, that was, that's probably the most intense case that we have. And again, from a scientific standpoint, we're able to say, that we know we're going to get evidence within this two-week span because of our field reports, because of things that we've captured, because of monitoring everything that we do. It It's something that I'm personally really proud of. Um, so, yeah, now that, have, that's going to be it. Have you done any research on what that has happened in that area in the past? Like, oh, is yeah, Is that an tons, anniversary? Tons. Of? I've, I've found, I found documents from the, oh, God, what are the, what are they named? The Sequahana Indians that sold the land to the colonists. I, I found a deed. I've, I've, I've investigated as much of that as I possibly can. Um, and what what the main families were that lived in that area and that whole nine. Um, but 
it comes down to urban myths, unfortunately, because there's a lot of stuff that's not documented. Yeah. Supposedly, they say there was either a military hospital or a, was, or, I think it was or, more. I think it was uh, mental psychiatric health. mental yeah. health, but uh, not not in the sense we think today. More like a house setting where they had a f- couple of individuals that were mentally ill living in this house, and supposedly. One of them kept breaking out, named Mary, and she kept burning the house down multiple times. And after the third time, she stopped burning it down, and they stopped building it. And we actually found foundation in those woods. Um, yeah. The dates, uh, maybe if it's lucky, early 1900s. Not from what everyone's saying. That's like from the 1700s. Yeah. It doesn't not. add up. I, I think but, the earliest anything could have been there was 1835. Judging from what I can tell by the foundation. And when they started using that type of concrete mixture, it's right. uh, looking like at, at the earliest, and that's being generous, 1835, but it's probably more like 1870s, yeah, if not longer. Yeah. Very cool. Well, I don't want to don't want to uh, linger too much because I'm sure we could just talk for hours and hours about uh, this. This is our passion. Here. Oh yeah. Um, so just uh, before I I force us to to wrap things up, is is there any sort of words of encouragement that you could give to people who would want to like start doing the sort of thing um, over where they are, and uh, is there any sort of uh, resources you want to give shout outs to? Like, obviously, I'm going to put links to your website in the show notes, but anything beyond that? Any books? Uh, any well, movies? I, any I would, people? I would say read, research. Yeah, research is probably the biggest thing. Um, when when people want to go and do this, realize that you don't know what you're walking into. Don't go out there with a Ouija board and think that, hey, you know, I'm going to use this Ouija board. I'm going to get all sorts of stuff, you know, and nothing's going to happen to me. It may not happen to you right now. But 20 years from now, that door is still open and that's when it's going to affect you. And I I can't tell you how many emails I get across the world of people saying, I messed with a Ouija board when I was 15 and I have something that's harassing me now, 15, 20 years later. Um, Don't. Go and watch movies that are out in Hollywood and think that, hey, this is cool. This will never happen to me. You know, Annabelle story and, and all of these demonic things. Amityville Horror House. You know, this stuff's real. It's not fake. This stuff does happen. And I feel like the more and more people that dive into that negative type stuff because they think it's cool is the reason why more and more demonic cases are coming out. Um, so my, my thing would be, if you're going to jump into this field and investigate, just be careful. Don't be stupid about it. Be respectful. You know, Don't go into a cemetery and demand things to show itself. Definitely don't provoke. You know, respect. That's the biggest thing. You know, Don't provoke. You know, How would you feel if you walked into a cemetery and somebody was sitting in a you know, over your grandmother's grave yelling to come and show itself. You wouldn't appreciate it. So kind of show that same respect. Um, yeah, research. Look up stuff. Don't take what you see on TV and expect that's how it really is because it's TV. It's Hollywood. It's I hate to say it, and a lot of people will disagree. It's staged. It's faked. Majority of that stuff is not real. Um you know, it's just the way it is. It's unfortunately, TV, that's TV. Yeah, the way it is. You want to watch real stuff? Watch the first season of Ghost Hunters. That was real. That's that's the best I can say. Um, website and resources. 
read books, go on credible websites. You know, our website's fantastic. I hate to say it, but nobody comes close to what we're doing here in the world. No one comes close to what we do here in the world. We meet up every week. We put hours and hours into our research, our website, our investigating skills. And we, we're not lying. We're, we're not trying to just put crap out there to show the world. We, we really do get this stuff and put a lot of effort into it. So, yeah, I mean, what else you got? That's it. I'm going to wrap up. I like that. Very cool. <laughs> we do. I mean, any, you know, like you're saying, reasonable. Look, if you're looking to reach out, you can obviously reach out to us. We're always looking to help oh, people out, guide them in any way. Um, you know, it's hard to start on your own. So look for reputable groups in your area and reach out to them and talk to them. Pick their brain. And if, you know, if you want to start your own group, get people that are interested like you, dedicated, and, and build something your own, on your own way. Don't try to copy everyone else. Do it yourself. Right. Figure it out yourself and create your own organization on what you guys feel. You know, right. we, There's many groups out there that are strictly scientific. There's many groups out there that are strictly spiritual. And there's nothing wrong with that. We tied both together. We have psychics in our group. And we pull both aspects in. We're fortunate enough where we're able to do that. Yeah. Know, so. Yeah. Very cool. But, right. well, well, again, thank you so much for coming on and, um, no and for giving thank us you. your insight. And if you, the listener, wants to come on and share any of your own insight, just send me a letter at drinkingwithgod at gmail.com. And please check us out on Facebook at drinkswithgod or on Twitter, at DrinksWGod. Uh, please subscribe to us on iTunes and on our Podbean page, and check out our stuff on Redbubble, and please keep listening and sending me letters. Love to hear from you guys, and stay weird out there. You know what I mean when I say, I look around.